MS sucks. I know. I've lived with it since 1998, and man, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. When people ask, how are you doing? I say, fine. Great. Really? Most of the time, it's a lie, because we're programmed to hide our struggles. I'm not a doctor or a researcher. I'm just a normal guy talking from experience. And let me tell you, sharing those experiences with other people living with MS has made my life a hundred times better. So get ready for a belly up to the bar, honest conversation with real people who at first hesitate to tell the truth about life with MS, but eventually let it all hang out. I'm your host, Jim Fairchild. How you really doing? Do you ever try to make a random person smile during your day? Just somebody, somebody you see that you can tell make need a little pick-me-up. You know, when you succeed, you know that energy you get, that connection? You know, it can change the chemistry in your body. Have you ever felt that? You know, you could be having a bad day and then you make somebody else smile or they make you smile and things can turn around. It changes your perception. Not only that, but I mean, it truly does change the chemistry in your body. It's physical. You know, and I met somebody recently who immediately made me smile and her energy was contagious. When I got done talking with Leslie the first time, I knew that I had to be doing a podcast with her. But first, I'm going to take a step back and let you guys know that I was lucky enough to go to the MS National Conference this year uh, because my uh, awesome walk team, team stepping up, and we raised enough money that allowed my wife and I to go to Fort Worth, Texas with our local uh, MS chapter. You know, it was very cool to be there. There's all kinds of information floating around about uh, the advances going on with medicine, you know, what we can expect to come in the future. And I'm going to not get into that as much as the thing that I am much better at is connection. It was amazing, the energy that was just all over the place. And so great to meet so many different people who all have a different perception. And it was so nice to learn how different people handle things. You know, the place I got to see this the most is in a workshop that I actually got to be a part of. I was on a panel discussion about telling your story, about being vulnerable and letting people know, you know, what's really going on with you. <laughs> hey, sounds like a great idea for a podcast, right? Well, we were uh, taking the same ideas and talking to everybody and trying to allow them to tell their story, which for a lot of people, they don't do this on a regular basis. So the workshop was amazing. It really did become magical because I got to see people release feelings and tell somebody the way they were really feeling, maybe even for the first time. I am not kidding. There wasn't a dry eye in the house when we were done. We talked about how sharing your story is like giving somebody a hug, you know, with your words. So if you're sharing your story via email or uh, even on a Facebook post that you are affecting somebody else out there and your words are creating a connection. You know, I have really been vulnerable with my podcast and the feedback I have gotten has been absolutely amazing from people that I didn't even know had issues going on in their life. But when I'm vulnerable, it allows them to share their story too. And that's what I got to see in the workshop. Um, you know, we all enjoy getting hugs. Uh, after we talked about, 
your words being like a virtual hug. Everybody in the workshop stood up, hugged, and it was cathartic. You could see so much happiness in people's faces. So back to Leslie. I got to meet Leslie during the workshop and hear her story and get a hug. And she is so exuberant, as you will hear. You know, when Leslie told her story, what I noticed the most was how she lives in the positive. She has been exercising and it is a way of life for her now. And when you watch her, well, you can't watch her talk about it, but when you hear her talk about it, it makes you just want to go out and start exercising because it doesn't seem bad. She, she makes it such an amazing part of her life. You know, she's from Pittsburgh originally, and she's a huge Steelers fan. Uh, she got to work out one time with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and when she told that part of her story, she was glowing. There was like light coming off of her. You know, basically, it was like everything Leslie talked about in her life, she was excited about. Leslie tries to make somebody smile every day. It invigorates her and puts a positive spin on her MS. I swear, I have been working for a long time trying to get the basic piece of positivity, you know, creating that positive spin on my diagnosis that it seems Leslie has naturally. You know, she even explains that she was like this before MS. And so what is amazing to me is that she's been able to maintain her joyfulness after her diagnosis, which of course is the important part. Leslie reiterates for me just how much better it is to focus on positive than ruminate in the negative. Just listen to the happiness in her voice and imagine having a Leslie around you during the day. I know she'd be able to bring a smile to your face. That's what she does. Now, before I let you listen to the podcast, I need to let you know as a man and a football fan that I know exactly who Franco Harris is and about his immaculate reception. If you don't know who Franco Harris is, just ask any football fan, and I bet they can tell you. However, as I was interviewing Leslie, I did a major football faux pas, and I called Franco Harris Marco Harris as I was talking to Leslie. Really couldn't believe I said his name twice and didn't catch up on it. So I left that part in there so that you two can enjoy my mental laps, and you know, hopefully it'll bring a smile to your face. There, I've done my job for the day. I put a smile on somebody's face. Now here's Leslie. You know, Leslie, I have so many things that I want to ask you, but I know that I need to start with this one certain thing because it is football season, and I know who your favorite team is, so how did your Steelers do this weekend? They won 30-9. Antonio Brown did the flip in the end zone. He got the touchdown dance of the week. Nice. And how long have you been a Steelers fan? Since the day I was born. So you were around with the Lynn Swan era and all that good stuff. Yes. Oh my gosh. I met him in California years later and he is the most incredible man. That's what I've heard too. So I was kind of wondering. And I've met a uh, couple others. I volunteered at a hospital in Pittsburgh and I met Mel Blunt, Cliff Stout, Ted Peterson. He was the most nicest Steeler ever. And he let me wear his big Steeler jacket as I toured him through the hospital. Nice. nice. So I got to tell you about kind of an embarrassing, well, I look back and it was kind of embarrassing, but you never know what you're going to say when you see somebody famous. And I was at a tailgate party outside of a Denver Bronco game and I saw Marco Harris. He was at somebody's party. And so he was right next to me, literally getting food at the same table I was. 
and he picked up a burrito and I said, hey, Marco, is that the Immaculate Burrito? Oh, no. I know. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking afterwards, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sure he has heard every single Immaculate Reception, you know, play on that that you could. But he kind of gave me a, a courtesy laugh. So I'll take that as, you know, it, it didn't seem as horrible as maybe I thought it was. There you but, go. What, yeah. What are you supposed to say? What are you supposed to say? <laughs> Well, he was nice about it. He was. Yep, he was. Um, so I actually met you uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth at the National MS Convention. Uh, we were in a workshop uh, that talked about telling your story and about uh, being vulnerable. And I thought that workshop, went, you know what? Let me ask you, what did you get out of that workshop? I thought it was in incredible on the speakers yeah you did that well, you did a great job yes thank you i was the speaker so yes and, they they were the greatest and just the camaraderie of everybody together and the speaker i i hate saying i forget his name but he brought uh, augie yes. yes and it was yep. just i left there and i felt so great because i connected and right. we connected and I couldn't leave that room without talking to you because you got me on just you. Well, I think it was, first of all, you had mentioned Augie and he is a really good friend of mine who helped me start this podcast. And he's also the marketing director for the Oregon chapter of the MS Society. And he was there uh, facilitating that workshop. And he is awesome at getting people wild up, round up, wild, round, uh, getting people wound up. How's that? There you go. Uh, that whole day just started with everybody was feeling good and it, it was about telling your story. How do you think that brought everybody together? Because it made us all real. It made us all, we all have something in common. We all have MS. And we all have it differently. And my trainer says it perfectly. She said, it's a snowflake. It's really rare yeah. that anybody has the same. Leslie, there were so many fun things that happened in that workshop. And we had talked about sharing your story and how being vulnerable uh, kind of is like a personal touch for people. It's kind of like uh, giving somebody a virtual hug. And once we talked about sharing your story, what happened in the workshop with, with people and the connections that were going on in there? We all, we all connected and it was so wonderful to me because I felt I belonged somewhere. There's sometimes when I'll go places and people don't know me as well as somebody else with MS. People say, well, you don't look like you have it, but there's things inside that we all understood each other and we could all feel good and hug each other and just be more of ourselves than ever. All the stories are different. The woman that spoke about her kids having the MS and it was just so beautiful. It was so beautiful because of we all share that and it just, it makes me happy. And I do, I could hug everybody every day. <laughs> yeah, I think hugging is the is a such a good connection. And I was just blown away. Actually, I was thrilled um, at the way everybody came into that workshop as separate people and we all left as a collection of people with MS, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And everybody was comfortable with t 
telling their story. Once the first person tar- started saying it, then everybody got, well, hey. And that's when I put my hand up. I thought, well, I could tell my story because it's sort of fun story. But not fun, but it, I, I like bringing a smile to piece, people's faces on how my story, you know, in the middle of all the Steelers Super Bowl stuff. <laughs> right. So tell your story, if you would. Let's hear it. Was diagnosed Valentine's Day of 11. My symptoms, they, I quit smoking December of 10. Yay, me. I have Yay, not, you. never turned back. And I started limping in my leg. I started exercising at work because I was gaining weight because I quit smoking. And so single, I'm a, I was a single mom working as a restaurant manager. And I didn't have time to go to the doctor because I've got this restaurant job. I can't just take a day to go to the doctor and I have kids. And I suppose it was the middle of January, I decided to go to the doctor because I couldn't really move my leg anymore. My foot felt as if it was turned into stone. My son would try to push it and tickle it and there was nothing. And then the week of right. the, before the Super Bowl, I went to the doctor and they put me on steroids and that didn't work. Another MRI. And they sent me to a neurosurgeon. But the week before the Super Bowl, the Steelers were in town because Mm -hmm. they were in the Super Bowl. I couldn't, I wanted to go to Fort Worth and go to the Omni where we stayed and we met Jim at that hotel. Yes, that's that's where they were. The Steelers stayed. And I couldn't go. We had an ice storm that week and it was horrible. Super Bowl happened, Steelers lost. That was even more horrible. Of course it was. It, it was the worst day ever. So so would you blame the Steelers' loss as the reason you got MS? Yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. If they would have won that, you'd be perfectly the fine stress, right now, right? You know, the stress it's of the that, stress, yep. It was absolutely. Horrible. Yeah. And then that week, you know, I had to get over it with then trying to still walk and drag my leg around because it just what I would manually lift my leg to the gas and the brake in my car. Don't right. ever do that. Don't try that at home, please. Because it was it's scary. It was. I did it though in the ice. Yeah. And then I think February twelfth, they sent me for that horrible MRI, two and a half hours worth. Right. And. The 14th, I went to the neurologist, and he was the one that said, you know, they see the lesions on the brain and how my body was reacting, and 99.999 was MS. And there was lots of tears. Believe it or not, Jim, I cried. No way. You're so happy all the time. I know. I, I think I cried all the tears that day. You know, that diagnosis hits everybody differently and it's so hard to get what how did you react because all i've seen obviously is you now but how did you react then because what i see now is is so amazingly exuberant and positive thank you i was i was shocked as i just it was unbelievable on thinking hold on a second i i don't have time for this i don't have time to be a Jerry's kid because that immediately went to my head. Yeah, and me too. My friend, he's like, that's not what MS is. Okay, well, right. thank you for correcting me at this time of tears. You're going to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was devastating. It was, I had to call my job and tell my supervisor 
hey, my doctor just put me on uh, sick, sick time because I was just diagnosed with MS. And he was, he said, I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very sad and I cried a lot. And then it was, okay, what do I do? And I had to stop working because he just put me on this, on this leave that you can't work. Uh-huh. And it was, that was very difficult. Telling my kids, I think was my son, he was about eight. So he really didn't understand completely. And my, my daughter, she said, well, is this going to kill you? I said, no, you guys will do that first. <laughs> and I, that's right. And I had to be positive because I could see the fear in her. You know, so as a parent, Leslie, I know I worry all the time about what my kids are thinking and how my disease is affecting them. Once you told them the diagnosis, what have you done to reassure them that mom's okay? And with that, has that helped you be okay as well? Well, since I wasn't working at that time and my daughter was in the high school band, I became a band mom. And I would go to her games on Friday nights and I would go to competitions on Saturday mornings. And I put myself, I made myself available in their lives when I couldn't be what I worked. And there was days that I could feel that maybe I shouldn't do it because I was just so fatigued and I did it anyways. And that showed them that. And I'd go to my son's football games and I was a part of their lives more. And that's what they saw in me because, oh, mom's not working. She can go and do these things. And I don't think they realize. I think that her being 11, I don't think it really hit. Now, I will say she when I was, I, I do Copaxin, uh-huh. when they came to my house and showed me how to do the injections and all, my daughter sat there and she wanted to learn how, because mm-hmm. there was sometimes I couldn't reach in the back of my arm or just turn your hip and hit it right. Right. So was she able to do it for you? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, that's what's great about those auto injectors, isn't it? Heck yeah. But my son was funny because he took off running after the fact when he noticed that hey he could give mom a shot then yeah he's feeling pretty cool it did teach him not to be afraid of needles when he would go get his shot for school that's good and you know uh my girls were like four and five when okay. i had them uh, i had taught them how to do the whole thing so they could uh you know do the auto injector the whole thing now they don't remember doing that but now i think they'd really like to give dad a shot they're 13 and 14 mm-hmm. and i think they'd love to stick a needle in absolutely. my arm sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely now they, i don't let them touch me <laughs> yeah exactly I, i'm in the same way now uh so tell me about uh what were you like before your diagnosis what was leslie like uh pre-ms what you who you met same person just I exuberant happy fun absolutely love and life you know being a restaurant manager i could meet so many awesome people and even as a kid i was always that one playing football in the snow with the guys and just happy just and you know my my sister that's one of my sisters two years older than me she was complete opposite and she would always get mad at me because i was just happy 
I was a kid. Oh. I was a baby, you know, the baby, the family. And I just lived and never, nothing ever bothered me. And you were able to carry that into post MS and, and your life now? How'd you do that? Well, when, when I lost my job after three months of the family leave, the restaurant let me go because I couldn't do my job. Then there were some tears again because they just did that so quickly. I called the MS Society and they're incredible what they've done yeah. for me. They got me the career coach. They, you know, took care of some of my Cobra insurance, got me hooked up rehab here in Texas to where I, the state of Texas deemed me disabled single mom. I got to go to school for medical coding and billing. It sounds like you're able to put the pieces together of your life in order to kind of figure out what your next step was. Uh, and that was through the help with the MS Society? Absolutely. They just were there and I knew then, and that's the first time I met Lee Kilborn. She's the community leader at the society here in, in uh, Carrollton where I go to. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, I said, I, I, I volunteered my first bike MS that year in May. And I met Lee and I, it was so incredible that I got, and I thought, this is what I, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And it was in anything I can do to volunteer, I'm there. How does that help you when you're volunteering and you're around other people uh, and you're helping? How does that help you? It helps me because I forget about my MS and my heart just, my heart is so big for people and wanting to give and wanting someone to know, hey, it's okay. You know, there's somebody that has a something worse than I. And if I can do something, if I can hug a kid, if I can hug a homeless person and give them a sandwich, I mean, my gosh, who doesn't want to make somebody smile and just be happy? Isn't it great to spread that around and hugs and... I love it. Yeah. Uh, have you taken that on as kind of your job is to make people smile all the time? Absolutely. And how do you do that? I'm just me, Jim. I go to work and the one gentleman, he's, I call him the cool man because he does all the cameras for the new doctors that come in and he's, he's so much fun. And I, he walked around with sunglasses one day. I said, definitely cool man. Nice. And every day, and I say, you know, of course I say good morning to everyone and they'll say, well, Hey, how are you doing? I am fabulously fantastic huh. because I am, because guess what? I woke up today. And I have a job and you know, and life is good. There's yes, there's obstacles in life, but you got to overlook them. And there's always positives that beat the negatives out. You know, I absolutely love the way you think. <laughs> and there are, I honestly think that, I mean, I know myself, I have spent a lot of time uh, trying to get over a lot of time in counseling and all kinds of different ways to try to get over some of the negativity that comes in naturally. Um, and I think that is just a product of, of having, you know, MS or any type of disease. Um, and you are able to stay so positive, which is just awesome. How does that help you? Like, do you ever think that your emotions react with your disease in a good way or a bad way? Absolutely, absolutely. When I'm not feeling my best, 
the MS kicks in a little harder. I can feel the leg doesn't want to work as well and the fatigue hits. And then I just go back to three positive thoughts in the past 24 hours, what has happened? And you just got to bring yourself out of it and think, and I, I fight the negative sometimes because they're evil. And I'll just go back to, I have pictures at work. I have my boyfriend, he sent me the little bear and candy. He's in England right now, but he named the little bear, little Roger. So I take him to work with me and I look at uh -huh. him and I know he loves me. And I'll take a picture of little Roger and I'll send it to him just to make him smile. Because then that makes me smile because I just put a little Leslie Loves Roger posted on it and he'll text me and he just thinks it's the coolest thing ever. When, okay, so you said the negatives and I'm gonna go kind of negative here just for a second because uh, you say negatives do creep in every once in a while. Oh. Um, you know, self-talk is such a big part, I think, of how we are doing as MSers, as people. Uh, and when that does creep in, you say you do, you count the three positives that have happened in the last 24 hours, right? Is there anything other tricks that you have to help yourself get out of that negative self-talk? I will, I will take a walk and being outside or even just going outside and just smelling the fresh air and feeling the wind blowing your hair it just feeling that nature is such a beautiful thing that and that'll get me and it may take a couple hours you know it may take a day to and i'll and i'll rest too i'll sleep mm -hmm. if i feel it i'll just rest and then i'll get up and the other day i got up and i'm thinking i don't want to do anything but oh my gosh i gotta go to boot camp so I just threw on my clothes. I got the boot camp. And being around people is such a positive thing. And I got there, and I got there late but early. And they said, "Good, Leslie, just jump in and start burpees, okay?" Nice. And you, and it's such a wonderful feeling. And people like a positive person. It's it's absolutely. And and I see it at work where somebody's so negative and. You want to stay away from that person because it's as if they're going to bring you down. I'm going to go to that person and give them a hug. <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a good way to, to kind of change uh, just the negativity around? Yes. Uh, just hug it out, right? Yes. I do it a lot. I'll hug patients. Just they come in there. You know, I work for a spine care. And if I'm in the clinic and I've known a patient for a while, I'll give him a hug. I met a guy last week. He said, well, are you supposed to be down here working? I said, I'll do whatever. I said, I'm here to welcome you. And nice. I talked to him and then I hugged him and went back to work. <laughs> you know, I've gotten to a point with hugging that I feel kind of weird sometimes, but I always feel like I need to hug somebody. So if I don't feel like I can end the conversation totally unless I hug somebody. I went to a, a doctor's appointment the other day and the pulmonologist is somebody that I'd had before. So I said, I don't want to be weird, but I'm a hugger. And she said, okay, great. You know, she's a hugger too. And so we hugged and, and it was just that connection that I think really helps. And feeling that is so good for the body. Just like having those positive emotions is so good for the body. There's another thing you did when we first met is you came up and you flexed your right arm and you said, look at this, look at my right arm. And man, you are really built. So what part does exercise have for you in your life now? 
oh my gosh, it's the greatest thing ever. I started up, I've exercised a lot for many years. In January, where the town I used to live in here, they did a mayor's fitness challenge. It was a like the biggest loser, but in this little town. And I didn't win, but I did win because I've dropped the weight and I was introduced to hardcore workout classes and the boot camp. Yeah, it just made me, I mean, I don't like flabby arms. And when I, I have big arms and now I've got guns. I know you do. I, I, I felt those, man. You got you got some serious guns and uh, and it fills up your heart, right? Despite Absolutely. having MS, you're doing something that just fills up your heart and that affects you and it affects the people around you. I, I, I am learning more and more that uh, filling up your heart and living with heart like you do, Leslie, <laughs> uh, can really help uh, help your disease and and help take the negativity out of your body so that you can smile and help your body smile as well, right? Absolutely. And I here's a story real quick. One of my coworkers, they all know at work I have a mess. I was never embarrassed. I never said it when I was hired. And one day one of the women said, what's wrong with your leg? I said, oh, I have a mess. And I just kept going. But mm-hmm. today, this young lady, she came over to me and she said, I know now what MS is. She was watching Love Hip Hop or something last night, and somebody on there had was diagnosed with it. And mm-hmm. she said, my gosh, she said, you have MS. And she just hugged me. She said, you are incredible. She said, I learned this disease. And wow. And it was the coolest experience. And she's a young girl, but she finally, and it wasn't I don't brag and say, well, you need to learn about this. I just go on and I'm just do my thing at work just as everybody mm-hmm. else. And she took her time to say, hold on a second. I know what it is now. And she just hugged me more than ever. And I was very humbled. When I get up in the morning and I put my feet on the ground and I think, man, I cannot do this. And then I think about my kids and I think about uh, my wife and I think about the things that I need to do. Uh, what do you think about? What, what gets you going? I think what gets me going is I love what I do at work, and I'd love to go back to sleep when I get up in the morning, and I just think, okay, mm-hmm. I've got to mentally tell myself, no, we got to get up, we got to go to work, because we have to work, and I can't, and then I'll go back to, yeah, I don't want to get up, who does, but once you, when, you know, we're grown up, and we know we have responsibilities, and this MS can't stop us from those responsibilities, we still have it, whether we have MS or not. It's mm-hmm. still our responsibility to, I have to be a mom. You've got to be a dad and a husband. And it doesn't matter if mm-hmm. we have this or not. Things have to go. <laughs> Things got to keep on moving, right? Maybe a little slower. You know, Leslie, your attitude is amazing. And you, I mean, right when I met you, I was just blown away uh, with your exuberance. And um, you kind of, suck people in just right away with with, uh, your zest for life. And and you got me right away with that. Um, What would you say to somebody newly diagnosed and and just learning about them having MS? First, I'd say, you know, don't. You can't give up. It's not the end of the world. Get the help you need. Reach out to people that can help you. I had met a, one of my coworkers, her cousin was just diagnosed, I think a couple weeks ago, 
and I gave her my email. I gave her my phone number, and I said, please, you know, have her call me, and I'll talk to her and see what I can do for everybody's going to be different. And just to hear somebody, it's hard to say what would I do for newly diagnosed. It's I've got to talk to that person and see where they are and how they're feeling and what I can do to make them feel a little better. And kind of what their snowflake is like, right? Exactly. Because if we, we know that it's all different and, and I would suggest, you know, going to your, finding the local chapter of MS and getting connected because there's so much out there. In the workshop where we met, we were trying to talk to people about being vulnerable and there was a lot of people in there that had a very hard time with it. I don't think you have a hard time being vulnerable because I think that's just you (laughs) naturally, but for somebody who does have a hard time with it, what would you tell them about what they can get out of being vulnerable? Oh my gosh, what I have, I just, you ask questions and you you research and finding this mindset, this workout program I go to every Wednesday at the society and volunteering. What you get, what I got out of volunteering with the MS Society is, it's so great and the people you meet and just being around people that have this and know what you're feeling and that's what people have to reach out. And there's only so much I could help somebody with. They've got to do that the first step. I can tell them, mm-hmm. we can, you can tell them. And until they reach out to a certain extent, we're their, their, their support system. They've got to take that step. Chris couldn't call MS for me. And, I had to do it. And right. look where I am now. You know, and... and- didn't you see that in the workshop where we were in that, um, you know, everybody came in to that workshop and they're like, okay, this is about fundraising. This is about telling your story. Um, but it became much more than that in the sense that it was so personal for people and they were telling their story. And man, I don't think there was a dry eye no. in that place uh, when the workshop was over. And um there was, uh, you know, the one gal there that talked about uh, her 14-year-old and 18-year-old, I think it was, who have been diagnosed with MS. That yes. was a tearjerker. And then there was Tony uh, in the back of the room that I know hit all of us when he was talking about uh, his, his connection to MS and how, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I remember about Tony. Then I want to hear what you remember. Um he was telling people uh, that his connection to MS, that he really has a passion for the cause, but he feels like it's kind of a downer uh, because his connection was his sister who passed away a couple years ago. And he didn't, he thought it was kind of a downer to tell people that. And what I remember is, I mean, he was bawling when he was saying this, but as soon as he said it, it felt like the whole room at the same time gave him a hug because it felt so transformative for him knowing that everybody in there said, Tony, you have a place in this conversation. You have a place at the table. You can say anything about why you're passionate and we're all here with you. It was just, it was magical, I thought, to see him get the support by being vulnerable. Like Absolutely. You know, I, Jim, I met him 
May of this year at the MS Bike 150, mm-hmm. I would have never known his story because of his zest, his life, his so fun. He was so he's so funny, and then the Australian accent made it even funnier. And when Absolutely. he came into that, I didn't know he was there until he started speaking, and I was just blown away because I had no clue, and it just made me like him a little bit more and I got to meet his wife and it just made me, that's why I got up to hug him because I thought I knew him and I would have never known he lost his disco partner. And isn't that true? I mean, yes, this is a snowflake disease for all of us and you can be with somebody for a long time, but you never know what's really going on with them until you take a second to listen and they have faith and trust that they can tell you what's going on. Absolutely, and that's what he felt that with this with this group. He felt that he could speak out and no one's gonna think ill will of him or think any different of him. And I thought he was just a much, it just made him stronger and it helped him. It helped him, um, but the thing about vulnerability, which I'm seeing more and more as I'm more vulnerable because uh, once you're vulnerable, the feedback you get is amazing. And people are like, oh my God, Jim, I didn't know you are going through it this way. Um, what you described, uh, you know, I just, the last podcast I put together was really hard for me to put out there because I was uh, very raw in that. But the feedback I get is, uh, Jim, Thank you for saying that because you just described my last four years and I didn't know anybody else was doing that. So that vulnerability um, just brings that connection that much closer. Then again, we get stronger from that. So, you know, together we're stronger is the new uh, tagline. And that meant so much more uh, because of the people that uh, I met at the conference and um the strength that you get from those connections. And that was just the coolest thing. And when I left there, I felt, I don't want to say complete, but I felt this was the greatest experience I've had with not knowing what I was going into because I've never gone to a conference. Mm -hmm. And it was more than expected. I, it was just, it wowed me from beginning to end. Leslie, I can't thank you enough for uh, one, coming up to me during that workshop and introducing yourself. And for two, you know, sharing with me your exuberance and your heart because uh, you've really touched me in that regard. And I hope people, when they listen to this, uh, can kind of get the picture of what an amazing oh person gosh. you are uh, and how you how you go about this. Do you, so... Do you, do you feel that at all? I mean, do you know what you give off when, when you're happy? I, I think I do. And it's just, it's me. It, it's me. And I just, mm-hmm. if I can make one person smile a day, my days my day is good. And if I can make someone laugh or just, I, I, I don't know how to say, I don't want to apologize for me, but I, I'm humbled by you saying that because I don't, I just think of me as me, as the kid. Mm-hmm. I, I still feel 
uh, I'm the kid that my heart is there and my heart wants to make everybody smile. And that's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I, I, I blush because I, wow. <laughs> yeah, people can't see that, but your face is a little <laughs> bit red right now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, and, and I say this to a lot of people because, um, you know, keep on being you because you are awesome. And having that strength to be you, um, you know, to live an authentic life, I think is the best way to heal at the same time. So, Leslie, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Uh, thank you for coming up and, and flexing your <laughs> muscles for me and showing me showing me what you got. And um, thanks for thanks for laughing with thank me. Thank you, Jim, and thank you for letting me join you in this this journey of this together we're stronger and this made us just a little bit more stronger because just think of the positive when those monkeys are dancing join them (laughs) and give them a banana too (laughs) there you go there you go the monkeys in your mind give them a banana thanks leslie thank you very much okay be honest leslie made you smile didn't she I knew she would. She has a total talent for stuff like that. You know, try it for yourself today. Challenge yourself to make somebody smile. Tell a joke, tell a story, and if you're really daring, be vulnerable with somebody and tell them how you are really doing. You know, if you're not used to doing something like this, you'll be surprisingly amazed at the change in your body chemistry. You know, having MS sucks, right? We know that. And there are constant reminders that make it hard to smile. You know, hard to smile for yourself, much less try to get somebody else to smile. But getting out of your own head, getting out of the physical toughness it takes to talk to somebody sometimes will pay dividends for you emotionally and physically, I believe. I bet you'll find that when you open up, you allow others to open up too. Because being vulnerable allows the other person to relate to you. It's hard to do it, but I bet you'll find some smiles in there for you and for others. Now give it a try. And if you do something like calling a major football legend like Franco Harris by the wrong name, then just know it's not the end of the world. At least it didn't call Franco Harris the wrong name in a podcast and sent it out there for millions of people to listen to. All in all, I hope you find more smiles in your life, and I look forward to talking to you next time on How You Really Doing.